and verse 31, where it says, These are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. It used to be said, that, uh, or it was the case, that lots of people say, Ah, Jesus rose from the dead. I don't believe that. I don't believe that. And you, you would have to prove that Jesus rose from the dead. And there are great books like uh, Morrison's Who Moved the Stone <coughs> and so on. But I think a lot of people today, they just shrug their shoulders and go, so what if he rose from the dead? So that's what I'm going to look at. What uh, David looked at was one of the great proofs of the resurrection, which is the very existence of the New Testament church. And it's a tremendous proof. But I just want to ask, why? Why does it matter? I've got one very simple answer, uh, which would take me five seconds to give, but I can't do that. I'm like him. <laughs> he and I, you really, I was, I was so impressed with that. We, let's just talk about miracles, though. What is a miracle? We use the term very loosely. It's a miracle that you arrived in church on time. It's a miracle that, uh, well, I don't know if it's a miracle that David finished in time. It will be a miracle if I finish in time. We say it's a miracle that someone survived cancer. C.S. Lewis, in his book on miracles, says that the difference is really between naturalists and supernaturalists. Naturalists, not naturists, but naturalists, um, naturists believe that nothing exists except nature. Supernaturalists believe that there is something else. <coughs> Lewis says this, I use the word miracle to mean an interference with nature by supernatural power. That is a very important distinction. It is not a miracle that Dundee stayed up this year. Even though they lost 25 points unjustly and unfairly, it is not a miracle that they managed to stay up. It is not a miracle that someone managed to arrive on time for the church and so on. And it's not a miracle if you've got a migraine and you take Migralev and you get better. That's not a miracle. We talk about the miracle of birth. It's absolutely wonderful, but it's not a miracle in the sense that we use the term miracle. People who say they don't believe in miracles because miracles do not happen are convinced naturalists who are close-minded to the possibility that there may be something else. And so they start from the premise, it doesn't happen. So most people, and you might be one of these people, most people around here say, no, Jesus didn't rise from the dead because there's a graveyard out there and when you're buried, you're dead and gone. And that's it. It just doesn't happen. G.K. Chesterton puts it wonderfully in his book, Orthodoxy. He says, the, uh, I quoted this this morning for those of you who are at St. Peter's saying, that sounds familiar. It's because you heard it this morning and um, I know that you remember things. The believers in miracles accept them, says Chesterton, rightly or wrongly, because they have evidence for them. The disbelievers in miracles deny them, rightly or wrongly, because they have a doctrine against them. Now that's the reverse. Chesterton's real smart and real astute. And that's the reverse of what most people think. They think, I don't believe in miracles because I have evidence. No, you don't. You don't believe in miracles because you have a faith. You have a doctrine. You have a belief. It doesn't happen. Chesterton also says this, it is we Christians who accept all actual evidence. It is you rationalists who refuse actual evidence being constrained to do so by your creed. Your creed is miracles don't happen. Therefore, it can't have happened. Therefore, you'll find any explanation that you want. But the verse that we have here tells us 
or verse 30, (coughs) tells us that the resurrection is really the last of the great signs that Jesus performed. His resurrection from the dead was a sign, a wonder, and it's seen as proof of the divine, as proof of God. It is a work of supernatural power in the physical realm. Now, the next question that some people immediately want to ask, say, okay, Jesus' resurrection, the purpose of it, the reason for it is to show who he is. But did these miracles really happen? We read about many miracles in the New Testament. Did they really happen or are they simply legends the way simple ancient people described what they could not explain? Now, the question is vital because miracles are essential to Christianity. I have a friend who got, had the privilege of going to Balmoral to preach for the Queen. And I think it's probably not breaching too much of a confidence to say that he had an extremely interesting time. Anyway, he got into the Range Rover and to go for a barbecue with the Queen, which is like mega cool, really. And uh, he looked over to see who his driver was, and it was Her Majesty driving him. So she drove him for a barbecue, and they had a barbecue. They came back. He preached in the morning, and I think he preached on the resurrection or uh, belief. And he said, if you don't believe in the resurrection, you can't be a Christian. And the queen's husband, who is not noted for his subtlety, uh, afterwards said, did you really believe that? You know, this Christianity. And uh, um, my friend, the minister, said, absolutely, I totally believe it. And the duke, uh, I, I won't say exactly what he said, because it would be wrong to swear, but he said, bleep nonsense. Christianity is about the Sermon on the Mount and doing good and so on. No, it's not. If you don't have the miraculous, you don't have Christianity because you don't have Christ. That is really, really important. 1 Corinthians 15 verses 1 to 7 says this. Paul says, Brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you've taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you've believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Peter and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also as to one abnormally born. John says, this is written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ. You are not a Christian if you say, well, I believe in Jesus, but I don't believe that he rose from the dead. Or I believe that he spiritually rose from the dead. Which, to me, is just absolute nonsense. Um, It doesn't make any sense, logically, to say that Jesus rose spiritually from the dead. Jesus rose physically, and that's what the passage that we've been reading and the other passage in Luke and Matthew and Mark state so explicitly. Now again, there are some who will say that the laws of nature are fixed, and God, if he exists at all, cannot or will not violate them. But forgive just a little bit of science, that is so 20th century. We are in the 21st century, that's Newtonian physics. Things are much more relative nowadays. We do not know and we do not see everything. The laws are generalities based upon what we know and observe. And there is no scientific reason at all 
why Jesus should not have risen from the dead. There is only a philosophical prejudice that you would have. We are talking about the explanation of life. We are asking questions like, where does personality come from? We say that God is personal, that God is the only adequate explanation for life, that God remains involved in the world that he created, that God remains involved with nature, that the Son sustains all things by his powerful word. It is in him that we live and move and have our being. Colossians 1.17, he is before all things and in him all things hold together. That's true of nature, but sometimes God does things differently. That is what we call miracles. How do we know? God can use natural events. Absolutely, God um, uses medicine. God uses many different things. God can use natural events, but he can also use supernatural. And I want to just focus on this and say, how do we know that this happened? How do we know that any miracle can happen? Well, the bad news is we can never know anything for certain. And I mean anything. We cannot be totally sure of anything. The kind of mind game that sometimes people want to play. How do you actually know you are here? You could just be hallucinating. You could just be dreaming. Have you ever had a dream that's so real that you even dream that you're trying to pinch yourself to wake up? It's so real. I had a dream last night that was really real. I dreamt that we were singing and uh, it all went wrong. And so far it hasn't. And it just, but it was really, I woke up in a cold sweat and it took me a while to realize, no, that didn't actually happen. I was dreaming. How do you know that you're not dreaming? We tend to have faith in our senses, but what if our senses go wrong? And here's a problem. We do not experience the biblical miracles and it doesn't matter. We don't need to experience them ourselves. When someone says, yes, I'll believe in God when a miracle happens to me. No, you won't. You probably won't. There were lots of people who saw the miracles who didn't believe. None of us were present when this miracle occurred. We cannot believe on the basis of personal observation. We cannot travel back in time to the empty tomb. But we have to trust credible witnesses. Philosophically, there's no reason why the miracles could not happen. So did they? I think the argument, and David was saying, it's, the evidence is overwhelming. The witnesses are clear. We have documentation for the resurrection. And the Bible, when we say documentation, people go, yeah, but that's a book of fairy stories. No, it's not. You read the beginning of the Gospel of Luke. It doesn't say, once upon a time in a land far, far away, there lived a wicked king and so on. And there was a dragon and so on. It says, Luke says, I have undertaken most excellent Theophilus. He names somebody to to investigate and to discover the things that have recently happened amongst us. He's saying this is history, this is fact. You can speak to the witnesses. The New Testament witnesses, as David pointed out, died on behalf of their witness. They turned the world upside down. There is no evidence at all, and it doesn't make any sense to say that they were liars. They claim to have personal experience of the risen Jesus. This morning, uh, when we, here we looked at, obviously, at the resurrections. I'm sure you did in Logies. And we noted that, like most human beings, the disciples limited their experience, what they believed, to their experience. And they, their experience was they'd seen Jesus die. They'd seen him be buried. They'd seen him bloodied. They'd seen him 
battered and broken and stabbed with a spear. And that's what they saw. And when the women came back from the tomb and said to them, he's alive, the Bible's just so brutally honest. It just says, their words seemed to them like nonsense. It didn't make sense to them. Because we saw people do not believe things that are outside their own sphere of reference. Whatever the evidence, our criteria is so often ourselves and our evidence. And my plea both to those of you who are not yet Christians, those of you who are concerned about Christianity or confused, or those of you who have non-Christian friends, is actually to ask people to open your minds. When the disciples doubted, what does it say in Luke's gospel? Jesus opened their minds so they could understand the scripture. It is a circular argument. It is a closed mind that says the miracles cannot happen. Therefore, any evidence that you give means that it didn't happen. It's like if somebody really, really hates you. They really dislike you. This is not an experience I've ever had. But if they really dislike you and they really hate you, no matter what you say to them, it's always going to be proof of what an absolute swine you are. If you're nice to them, it's because you're a creep. If you're horrible to them, we told you so. And so on. Because you've determined in your mind how you feel about that person. Well, there are plenty of people today who will say, Jesus didn't rise from the dead. And it's not because they've thought it through. It's not because of any intellectual thing. It's because within themselves. That's just what they feel and that's what they've determined. Now I think that what we've read, what David said about the early church, and many, many other things that we could say, but we are limited by time. There is, it doesn't prove the resurrection happened. Not in the sense of absolute proof. But it makes it a whole lot more credible than any of the alternatives. And if the resurrection happened, then what it means is this. That the rest of the miracles are n- no problem. These are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ. Miracles accredit the messenger God sends. Miracles show the nature of God and his kingdom. The blind see, the lame walk, the outcasts are brought into community. The wildness of nature is tamed. Miracles do the work of the kingdom. Satan is defeated. People are saved. Let me give you one other evidence in in the time I've got left. Jesus said to his disciples, you see these miracles, you'll do greater miracles than me. What is greater than raising the dead? Greater than raising the physical dead. It's raising the spiritual, spiritually dead. I think it's just wonderful when you see new spiritual life. I believe in Jesus because Jesus rose from the dead. But if you like, an accompanying evidence for that is the change that we see in people's lives. Uh, we have a, someone in the congregation here, Ralph has just recently become a Christian. He's in Perth prison at the moment and I visited him this week and I asked his permission just to say this and he said, yeah, Ralph is just amazing because he's been in prison many, many times in his life. And he said to me this week, he always cheers me up. You know, I go and visit him, but he really cheers me up rather than the other way around. And uh, he was just talking about the royal wedding. And he says, what a pain the royal wedding is. I said, why? He says, we're all getting locked in our cells for the whole day so that the warders can have the day off. Which I thought was a pretty good reason not to celebrate the royal wedding. But he said, what a pain. But he said, do you know, David, he says, every morning I wake up and I have to remind myself I'm in prison. Even though I look at the cell door and the bars and so on. He says, I have to remind myself in prison because I feel freer than when I was outside. 
Now, to me, that's a miracle. It's a miracle, an absolute miracle, a supernatural intervention that God changes someone's life. How ironic, then, that the very thing which is written to help us believe is the thing that so many people say causes them to disbelieve. It demonstrates surely the subtlety of the devil and the perversity of human nature. Miracles are central to our faith. They are given to show us the nature of God. They are given to show us Jesus. They are given so that we may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing we may have life in his name. And I just simply, very, very simply, just ask you, what do you believe? Do you believe he's risen or do you not believe? And if you do believe he's risen, David was talking about the Jewish rabbi who saw all the evidence. No point seeing the evidence if you don't accept If you don't cross that bridge, if you don't commit your life to follow Jesus Christ. I had a a poster once. I wish I could get it again. I wish one of you designers could redesign it. Fantastic poster. It had all these names of, you know, Lenin, Marx, Aristotle, Socrates, John Lennon, um, loads and loads of different people. And it had the name of Jesus Christ in pink. The rest were all in white. It was on a black background. And in pink was Jesus Christ. And right at the very bottom, in very small print, or hundreds of names, was, what's the difference? And the answer is, he lives. That's it. He lives. That's the difference. We follow a living savior, not a dead hero. And uh, I want us to think about that and to reflect upon it. You've been listening to a sermon from St. Peter's Free Church in Dundee, the historic church of Robert Murray McShane. For more sermon content, please visit our website at stpeters-dundee.org.uk. That's www.stpeters-dundee.org.uk. For information and training on persuasive evangelism and how to share your faith biblically, please visit the website of SOLAS, the Centre for Public Christianity, at solace-cpc.org. Once again, that's www.solas-cpc.org. Thanks for listening.